Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm from Texas and my family has land on the Guadalupe River. I've been tormented by something out there for about 35 years and only recently came to realize that it's probably a Sasquatch family. Now that I know what they are, I'm more annoyed than anything, but still don't feel safe there at night, and especially outside. I saw a child and an adult in about 1989 when I was sleeping outside on a trampoline. The child about four and a half feet tall, its shoulders just barely breached the top of the trampoline frame, woke me up by accident, and I scared it, I guess, because I was so startled. 
I sat straight up from sleeping. I'm guessing it tried to touch me because that's just about the only thing that I can think of that would have caused me to jolt awake like that. It grunted. Then I saw something very tall and lanky run in the opposite direction to the trees. I then heard a loud humming noise that seemed to come from all directions and passed out. I have had multiple interactions over the years, mostly hearing them and seeing the red eyes and hearing them scream. I believe it lives under a bridge on X during the day where I and others have seen it on a dare to walk through the dark tunnel when we were kids. We heard something moving, and it turned to look at us, and we saw the red eyes. It was screaming, absolutely terrifying. It was about seven or eight feet tall. We didn't see a silhouette, only its eyes. At night it roams up and down the property line back and forth to the river. Recently we found odd things to mark trails like X's and branches stuck in fences, tricycles tied five feet high in a tree with vines, sheets tied around tree branches, and a dead animal in a tree next to a fort. The fort could be from kids or poachers because it's next to a park, but I don't know. The fort and the animal in the tree area are where the sound came from the first time I heard it. To this day, we are still hearing heavy, deep breathing in the tree line, hearing strange bird noises in the middle of the night all around the house. And a few years ago, I heard loud screaming on the river by the fort area. It sounded like a woman being hurt, I thought it was a mountain lion, so I just went inside. It was terrifying. My name is Ataraxia, and I'm in high school. Last year, I went through a bad episode of depression. I'm doing much better currently, and I was scrolling on TikTok and found a video of a girl who claimed she shifted into another reality in her sleep. At that point in my life, going to another reality even just for a few hours a day sounded great to me. Out of curiosity, I looked up tutorials and other info on YouTube, and it soon became an obsession. For about eight whole months, I dedicated my free time to learning how to shift. The shifting I am talking about is not the kind where people say they went to an anime or Hogwarts or whatever. My desired reality, as they call it, was just a normal world where some of my problems did not exist. Since there are infinite realities that are similar to ours, I hope to reach one with those qualifications. On February 8, 2023, I decided to try shifting. I wrote down the date of when I went to sleep and the details of my desired reality. I tried my best to hold my vision of me waking up in that desired reality for as long as I could but I fell asleep and had a dream of my previous day at school. I don't think the dream had to do with anything just adding it. I woke up disappointed and grabbed my phone to turn off my alarm, and I saw that my wallpaper was different. I thought it was weird, but I thought maybe I changed it accidentally somehow because the new wallpaper was an old one I had not too long again. Then things started to get strange as I got ready for school. Things were very slightly different. The pink pot on my desk no longer had the Kirby face I painted on it. My shoes were in a different cubby than I placed them and I go to a private school, so I place my school shoes in a top cubby so that they are easier to reach. I no longer had a paper cut on my thumb. My blazer was wrinkled and in the laundry, even though I washed it and ironed it on Monday, which would be Feb 6, my jewelry dish was gone and instead my earrings were just on my nightstand. Those are just a few of the differences I can remember right now. 
I instantly thought about the shifting thing I tried last night and assumed the worst which is I am in another reality. I continued on with my day and I found out that no, my problems were not gone, so this was not my desired reality. School was different too. The road lines were much more worn out than usual on the way. Someone who I didn't know personally waved at me at school. I hit my hip really hard on a bench that I have never seen while turning my usual corner pretty fast to get to bio class. Our school banner in the courtyard was different. My assigned seat for religion class was different. My apps on my laptop were arranged differently. A character I had recently gotten in a gacha game was no longer on my account, and the currency count was different game was Honkai Impact 3rd, and the character missing was Hersher of Truth, and a bunch of other small changes that I don't distinctly remember. All I could think about all day was the fact that I was somewhere different and I was not home. I have never been one to be overly stressed and have panic attacks, but the stress was overwhelming and crushing. My head and eyes were hurting by the time I got home. When I got home, I went to bed and tried to shift back. I wrote on a piece of paper, home, over and over again, and put it under my pillow shifting method and set it in my head and imagined myself waking up at home again. I fell asleep and woke up. I started crying from relief when I saw my Kirby pot with a face again. The experience felt surreal to me almost like a really vivid dream, and I was very willing to peg it off as one. That's when I checked the date on my phone. It was Friday, February 10th. This meant I spent a day somewhere else. My friend that I didn't recall being with much yesterday as I spent my two breaks in the bathroom panicking at school, even asked me if I was alright, and that she was worried about me last night since I had been acting different and was very stressed out yesterday she knows that I am struggling with depression. I said it was nothing and that I was perfectly fine. Does this mean that I switched consciousnesses with another me? And if that was the case, did we both try to shift that same night or was it just me? Did I shift? Was this a dream? Was it something else? Either way, I took this as a sign to never try shifting ever again. I live in western North Carolina in a very secluded area. We have bears, we have seen coyote, deer even cougar on a tree cam, bobcats. What I am saying is I am familiar with the animals in the woods around me, and I know that what I saw was not an animal. One night about midnight or so our animals were acting very strange. The chickens were awake and squawking, the cats were up on the roof of the buildings or under them and growling. The dogs were whimpering and whining backing into the corners. So my son and I went to check just what was scaring them. He walked the property checking the pens and looking for anything. So we get to the back of the property where we have a utility path cut through to the mountain ridge. This path is about six foot wide and cuts along the top edge of a gully. Well about 30 foot from where we are standing is something. Darkish figure that is standing on two legs way taller than any man. It turned its head and looked at us in a way that made me feel threatened. The eyes shined blue in the flashlight beam. It looked at us and then turned and walked down into the deep gully. I have no idea what it was, but my son and I both saw it, and it was not an animal or a man. My name is... Well, you can call me Officer Brian. 
I work for a mid-sized police department in the outskirts of New York City. Myself and my partner have come across what we assume was a gagway while on patrol one night after being called to a persisting issue with teenagers at an old abandoned warehouse right near the woods. The incident happened about three years ago now, so some of the details are foggy, but I remember for the most part exactly how it went. My partner and I arrived at the old warehouse to be greeted by a decent-sized group of rowdy teenagers. They were apparently having some party in there, but it was pretty clear that they got freaked out when we showed up. Everybody fled. My partner insisted that we go inside to check it out, which I thought was dumb because there was no way I was going on that place. Once we became aware of the situation, we also left. Not a minute after we got onto the main road did my partner get called to another call about an incident near a small farm outside of town. Before arriving, he told me that there had been a number of missing persons cases in all the nearby area. They were all adults. When we first arrived at the farmhouse, it was clear something really wrong had gone on there. The wife of the man who lived there was crying in the arms of a paramedic and we were told by another officer there that she had discovered her husband's remains, his mangled corpse, in the barn when she opened it up to feed their pigs. I was disgusted and confused. I couldn't figure out how something so violent could happen with anybody. After getting escorted to the barn, I couldn't believe how wrong I was. The man who lived there was a pretty big guy in his mid-fifties, and the way he looked now made me wonder if he put up a fight at all. He was badly mangled. I won't get into the details other than his spine sticking out and his head twisted around. I had a difficult time getting a hold of myself while trying to talk to the wife of this man who was killed right there. After prying with some questions, she eventually revealed that her husband went to check out on some pigs earlier in the night, but never came back. I wondered if he was taken or eaten by his pigs since they were acting very strange. I knew deep down, though, that this wasn't done from a pig. This was from something else. I asked her what made her go out there, and she said it was because she heard snarling noises, and it sounded very out of place. Her husband had not come back either. She went on to say that she had heard these sounds before, but never paid much attention to them, that she had been hearing them a few days prior to this going on. I took her inside, convincing her I was sure everything would be fine. Meanwhile, my partner stayed behind with the other officers and assessed the scene while also having a look around the area for anybody or anything that could have had a connection or cause to this incident. One thing that really bothered me was that none of the other officers seemed to be concerned with the noises that I had heard. They didn't think it was connected to the man's death, but I knew better than anybody how violent and strange this was. I couldn't shake off what his wife had said about hearing those noises. This was the only thing I needed to keep looking into this. No one believed me. They said I was too new and didn't really know what I was doing. I'm still extremely disturbed by this whole incident. If you have any information on what happened or think you might know, I would love to hear your opinion. This is what I saw back in 1998-1999. It happened in Ohio, on a warm summer evening. I was sitting on my friend's deck, enjoying the peaceful night. Little did I know that I was about to witness something that would forever etch itself into my memory. 
It was a bit past midnight when it all unfolded. I remember gazing up at the sky, admiring the vast expanse of twinkling stars above. Suddenly, a blue streak tore across the heavens, resembling a meteor but much closer, as if it were only 30-50 feet above me. It happened so quickly, leaving me in awe of the spectacle. But that was just the beginning. Only moments after the blue streak disappeared, I noticed something strange in the distance. Two figures emerged, standing taller than any human I had ever encountered. They seemed to materialize out of thin air, right before my eyes. My heart raced as I watched them, captivated by their presence. The figure in front turned its head, as if acknowledging my presence on the deck. It locked eyes with me for a brief moment, and I could feel a sense of curiosity emanating from it. Then, without warning, they both started to fade away, gradually becoming transparent as they walked away. The encounter lasted no more than twenty seconds, but it felt like an eternity. There was no possible explanation for what I had just witnessed. It couldn't have been a trick of the light or any ordinary phenomenon. These beings were undeniably real, walking upright and emitting a radiant white glow. As I sat there, stunned by what I had seen, I knew deep down that sharing this experience would be met with skepticism and disbelief. The sheer absurdity of the encounter made it difficult for me to discuss it with others. So I kept it to myself, burying the memory deep within me. Over the years, I occasionally pondered the events of that fateful night. The blue streak, the enigmatic beings, and the inexplicable glow they emanated. I questioned their origin, their purpose, and whether there were others out there who had witnessed similar phenomena. But no matter how much time passed, the memory remained vivid and haunting. It became my secret, my personal encounter with the unexplained. And though I may never fully comprehend what I saw that night, I am forever changed by the undeniable reality of the extraordinary beings who crossed my path. To this day, I carry the weight of that encounter, knowing that sometimes the most extraordinary experiences are the ones we keep hidden, locked away in the depths of our hearts. Honestly, I don't know how much I believe in cryptids, but my mother once told me a story. It involves my great-great-grandmother and her neighbor, essentially her boyfriend. Later in life, after her husband passed away, the story was shared with my mother by this neighbor when he was still young. According to the neighbor, he and his friends were playing a game of hide-and-seek one day. It was a typical day in the 1910s. As he found a hiding spot, nestled away from his seeking friends, something strange caught his eye. From the corner of his hiding spot, he saw a sight that would forever be etched into his memory. A long, white creature emerged from a sewer drain moving on all fours with an uncanny grace. Its form was unlike anything he had ever seen before. It seemed to possess a certain alien quality. Curiosity overwhelmed him as he watched the creature intently. It crawled with an eerie precision, almost as if it knew it was being observed. Without warning, it disappeared into another nearby sewer drain, leaving the young boy in a state of both awe and confusion. As my mother relayed this story to me, I couldn't help but be intrigued. The image of this mysterious creature crawling through the sewers lingered in my mind. What do you all think? And before you start, Mother would never lie to me.
A camp instructor I once had was mountain biking or camping somewhere in Canada with a mate of hers. It was up in the mountains in a really remote place so she's biking around, and they decide to set up camp in a clearing up on the trail. They see the clearing is perfectly round and the trees surround it so they can't see out. They're chilling making noodles near the tent as the sun's setting, and they see around 10-15 people have surrounded them. The people are wearing dark robes and apparently something similar to HP Death Eater masks. The masked people start stepping in in unison and get closer and closer to them. They start freaking the F out and screaming at them to stop then get on their bikes and kick some of the people away and ride down the mountain as fast as they can. They come across a cabin and start banging on the door and a dude a hunter of some sort comes out. They explain the situation and he radios his buddies to go check it out with him act. Turns out that place is a high action cult area and there has been missing persons and people taken by cults. Oh, and when the hunter got there, all the tent and stuff was taken. I had always known that being a Navy SEAL or part of special forces would mean facing the unimaginable, but nothing could have prepared me for the chaos that unfolded in the heart of Mogadishu, Somalia. Our mission was clear rescue American hostages and thwart the resurgent warlord's plans. As part of the new generation of SEALs, I was ready to prove myself in the crucible of urban warfare. Our descent into the tumultuous streets of Mogadishu was swift and silent. We moved like shadows, our training ingrained in every step we took. The city was a labyrinth of danger, where every corner held the potential for ambush. We could feel the weight of history bearing down on us for we knew that this city had once been the setting for the infamous Black Hawk Down mission. As we reached the hostage location, our intel proved accurate. We secured the Americans, their eyes filled with gratitude and relief. We were about to make our way back to the extraction point when the warlord's men descended upon us like a swarm of angry wasps. Urban combat was a nightmare. The narrow streets echoed with gunfire and the cacophony of battle, we fought relentlessly, trading fire with the enemy, each step forward costing us precious time and blood. In the midst of this chaos, our team was separated, and I found myself with only three other SEALs. We fought our way to the outskirts of town, battered and exhausted. The sun was setting, casting eerie shadows across the desolate landscape. That's when we saw it a creature unlike anything we had ever encountered. It was probably about eight feet tall, kind of dark gray with a little brown. It had a mane, kind of like a male lion, but with shorter hair around the body and legs. The most unsettling part was that it was walking upright on its back legs, like a twisted fusion of man and beast. As we cautiously approached our vehicle, the creature dropped to all fours and bolted away at an incredible speed. Confusion gripped our team as we exchanged bewildered glances, we couldn't have been prepared for what happened next. The creature attacked with a sudden ferocity, launching itself at us. Gunfire erupted as we opened fire, but the bullets seemed to do little more than anger the beast. Two of our men fell, torn apart by the creature's savage assault. Panic gripped us as we continued to fire, desperate to save our lives. It was a harrowing battle that felt like a nightmare, but eventually our combined firepower took its toll. The creature fell lifeless to the ground, 
an enigma wrapped in death. With our fallen comrades in our hearts and the unsettling memory of the unknown predator etched into our minds, we made a hasty retreat from that desolate place. The extraction point was our lifeline, and we raced towards it with every ounce of strength we had left. We left Mogadishu behind, a city steeped in darkness and mystery, its streets haunted by the specter of warlords and the unknown. Back in the safety of our base, we debriefed, trying to make sense of what we had encountered. None of us had answers. It was as if we had stumbled upon a creature from the depths of myth and legend. As I look back on that fateful mission, I'm left with more questions than answers. What was the creature that had attacked us on the outskirts of Mogadishu? Where had it come from, and was it a harbinger of something even more ominous? In the world of Navy SEALs, we were trained to face the worst humanity had to offer, but the encounter with the unknown had left an indelible mark on us. We were meant to be the hunters, but in that moment, we had become the hunted, lost in a darkness that defied explanation. As I carry the memory of that mission with me, I am haunted by the knowledge that there are mysteries in this world that may never be unraveled, and that sometimes the shadows of the unknown are the most terrifying adversaries of all. I remember that day in Croatia like it was yesterday, although it's been years since that eerie reconnaissance mission on the deserted island. We were a Navy SEAL squad, sent on a classified operation to gather intel about maritime Navy activity in the region. Little did we know, we were about to stumble upon something that defied all logic and challenged our perception of reality. The island was rugged and desolate, overgrown with thick vegetation and surrounded by an ominous mist that seemed to hang in the air like a shroud. Our mission was simple. Infiltrate, gather intel, and exfiltrate without leaving a trace. Easy, or so we thought. As we trekked deeper into the heart of the island, we began to notice strange markings and symbols etched into the trees and rocks. They were unlike anything we had ever seen, and an unease began to settle over the team. We pressed on, our senses heightened, and our instincts on high alert. And then we... This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Saw it. The creature, if you could even call it that, emerged from the dense foliage. It was a hulking mass of hair and muscle, standing nearly eight feet tall. Its overlong arms hung nearly to its feet, each finger ending in an eight-inch claw that jutted out like deadly talons. It was covered in a sheen of silver-like hair, and its feet, human-like but monstrous in size, left enormous imprints in the earth. But what truly rattled us to our core was its head. It resembled more that of a grizzly bear with a shorter but deeply scarred snout. Those scars alluded to untold battles with beings even larger than itself, battles that it had somehow survived. Still, though, emanating through that horrific exterior were those piercing blue eyes, eyes that seemed to project a sense of ancient experience, as if they had witnessed the rise and fall of civilizations. Before any of us could react, the creature lunged at us, 
its claws outstretched and its teeth bared in a guttural growl. Panic set in, and we opened fire with a barrage of bullets. The deafening roar of our weapons filled the air as we poured rounds into the monstrosity before us. The creature howled in pain but refused to fall. In a final desperate act, it turned and leaped with unnatural strength into the sea, disappearing beneath the surface without a trace. The water churned and frothed where it had been, but the creature was gone. We were left standing there, our weapons still trained on the water, our hearts pounding in our chests. The mission had been a success. We had retrieved the classified documents we came for. But as we made our way back to the extraction point, the weight of what we had witnessed began to sink in. Back on the extraction chopper, none of us spoke a word. The image of that creature, with its impossible anatomy and ancient eyes, was seared into our minds. We had faced countless dangers in our line of work, but this was something entirely different, something beyond our comprehension. As we returned to base, we couldn't help but wonder what we had stumbled upon that day. What was that creature, and where had it come from? We may never have answers to those questions, but one thing was for certain. The line between reality and the unknown had blurred that day on the deserted island in Croatia, and it left us all questioning the boundaries of what we thought we knew. I swear to you, what I'm about to share is a true story. I work at NASA, and for obvious reasons, I need to remain anonymous. Let's just call me Randy, after the legendary guitarist Randy Rhodes. I've always been drawn to the mysteries of the universe, and little did I know that one fateful day, my life would take a mind-boggling turn. It was during a routine space mission, monitoring the vastness of space from the control room, when something extraordinary happened. As I gazed at the screens displaying data from distant planets, my eyes widened in disbelief. There, amidst the black void, appeared an object that defied explanation. At first, I thought it was a computer glitch. But curiosity got the better of me, and I couldn't resist investigating further. As I zoomed in on the object using the cameras, my heart skipped a beat. It was no trick of the light or fabrication. Right before my eyes, the object revealed itself to be a highly advanced extraterrestrial spacecraft. Words fail me as I attempt to describe its appearance. The craft had a sleek, metallic exterior, with a silvery sheen that seemed to shimmer in the distant starlight. Its shape was unlike anything I had ever seen, a combination of smooth curves and sharp angles that defied conventional aerodynamics. Mysterious symbols adorned its surface, symbols that were alien to any known language. Fighting the urge to panic, I knew I had to document this unprecedented encounter. I grabbed my camera and snapped as many photographs of the UFO as I could. Every detail was essential. I watched in awe as the craft maneuvered effortlessly through the cosmos, defying our understanding of propulsion systems. There were no visible rockets, no conventional means of propulsion. It simply glided through space, defying the laws of physics. Just as I thought the encounter couldn't get any more bewildering, the unimaginable happened. In an instant, the craft vanished before my eyes, as if it had never been there. I was left dumbfounded, my mind racing to comprehend the enormity of what I had witnessed. Filled with a mix of awe, disbelief, and a hint of fear, I immediately contacted my supervisor. 
Trembling, I recounted the entire encounter, from the initial sighting to the abrupt disappearance of the UFO. The gravity of the situation was palpable as my supervisor arrived, his expression a mixture of concern and secrecy. As he examined the photographs I had taken, he urged me to keep this encounter strictly confidential. He emphasized the potential impact on the public, the fear and chaos it could incite. I was instructed not to share my experience with anyone, not even my closest colleagues. My discovery was to remain hidden from the world. Still reeling from the surreal events of the day, I returned home, my mind swirling with questions and uncertainties. I couldn't shake the feeling that the truth needed to be revealed, that humanity deserved to know. Fueled by a sense of responsibility, I decided to take matters into my own hands. And that's why I'm here, sharing my account with you. Anonymity provides a shield of protection, allowing me to reveal the truth without risking my career or the stability of society. This story must be told, and it's up to those who hear it to decide what to make of it. Remember, this is not fiction. This is my first-hand experience, and it has forever changed my perception of the cosmos. This is one of the craziest yet creepiest experiences I had. So, I've been a pretty avid hiker and backpacker all my life. I live in North Carolina and often drive west toward the mountains to find places to explore. But on this particular adventure, I just picked a random forest far enough from any major cities and towns that I could see the stars well enough without light pollution. It was a fairly uneventful day and I was setting up camp near a small creek for the night, had my fire going, and was about to eat when I heard something coming toward me directly in front of me. I pulled out my 9mm, I always bring just in case, and waited. An older man walks into the firelight. He has a smile on his face and was wearing an old farmer's hat, red button-up shirt and jeans. He put his hands up saying he meant no harm and was just wondering who was out in the middle of nowhere. I was hesitant keeping my gun at the ready but relaxed a little. Me and the old guy start to have a pretty interesting conversation as he sits across from me. Eventually, he told me his name was Louise, but asked me to call him Lou. So me and Lou talk well into the night, sharing stories and laughing a lot of it was about his life and family who he said he doesn't see anymore seeing. He lived out in the middle of nowhere. It was honestly one of the most enjoyable conversations I've had with another human being in my life. Maybe around 3 a.m. I tell him I'm going to go to sleep and he agrees, but before I went in my tent, he stopped me having come up to me with his hand on my shoulder, and let me tell you his touch was cold as ice. What he said I've never forgotten, he said. Thank you for this. It's so nice to be able to talk to someone after so long. I kind of smiled despite my skin crawling under his touch, and told him he seemed like a good man, and he should go see his family, that I'm sure they missed him as much as he did. He sort of sniffled and nodded and asked if it was all right if he slept out by the fire, and I agreed stupid, I know. So I go to bed, and the next morning Lou was gone. I don't think much of it and pack my stuff and head in the direction he came from the night before. About 100 yards or so from where I was camped, I found a decrepit cabin. My gut told me to go check it out so I slip inside, and that's when I see something that changed my outlook on life and death. Sitting in an old rocking chair with some skeletal remains, 
bits of cloth that were cloths still sticking to it. It took a minute, but then I noticed the almost perfect old farmer's hat perched on the chair and the pieces of red cloth sticking to the remains. I sort of just walked out after that. I was numb, in shock, I guess. Next thing I knew, I was unlocking the door to my car and driving home. I don't know what I saw that night, but I can say I do believe in ghosts now, though part of me wants to believe I helped him somehow. I've been back to that forest, but I could never find that cabin again. Honestly, I just hope wherever Lou is, he is happy and with his family. I know this ended kind of sappy, but I figured it pretty creepy enough to qualify. When I was around 17, 18, some friends invited me to a hunting, fishing, or camping kind of thing. I rarely went so far north in my country, so I agreed despite not having anything to do with this kind of stuff. I feel like I have to say I'm from Moldova, Eastern Europe. Those woods connect with Romania and Ukraine, at least they did back in the day, I'm 28 now. A huge forest, even experienced hunters get lost sometimes. I also have to add that our hunters don't have trails made specifically for them. No trail, no camps made for tourists or hunters, not nothing. It's pure mother nature and you. We do have tourist spots, but they never go really far. We must have walked two, three hours before we even found the spot. We camped there and after a while we went deeper. After four hours we picked up signs that there is a boar somewhere. We went after it and even split when someone saw fox signs around. I went with three others after the fox. We went towards and I even saw from afar, but something scared it and it went in a different location very fast. We also noticed some movement. The location is higher than us, and for some reason, we decided to go there. At first, we thought it's other hunters, but soon enough we understood it's something else. We found the spot, but no one was there, blood all over the place. I never thought things like that happen in real life. Five meters around splashes of blood. Some stains even led further from the spot. I was enchanted by it and wanted to go after it, but then my friend stopped me. The most experienced one said to go back slowly, and he even took his gun in his hand. He usually kept it at his thigh. Not the hunting rifle. I got scared very fast because obviously it was not right. But that was nothing because then I saw a human hand ripped in pieces, mauled by big teeth. I noticed how my friend would look around and knowing him I knew someone is watching. We went back very fast and the guys circled me for protection. I think the fact that my badass friends were so protective of me raised the biggest red flags for me because they're usually not this way. We tried to call the others but no signal and one of my friends made a fire with smoke. One hour passed and nothing. I knew they had to fire a couple of times in the air to signal them, but somehow they were afraid to do it because according to my friend, someone else could know where we are. Another friend replied, too late for that, they are close. At this point, I started to laugh because I thought they were pranking me until I heard something in the direction where we came from. They never explained anything to me, but from what I understood when they talked to each other, there was this vicious and smart pack of wolves that come from the mountains, either Romania or Ukraine. Deforestation is a real problem in those countries, especially Romania. So many wild animals that disappeared in our country started to appear recently. 
They encountered this pack a while ago, but thought they went back or scared them off. But apparently, they came back to the place where my friends usually gathered. The thing is, they're not afraid of firearms like common wolves in my country are. So, basically, we couldn't reach our friends and according to the friends I was with, the pack went after them after tracking us. This is still illogical to me, but it was logically for them, so who am I to question them? This pack also attacks people, hungry or not, and even hunt people much more often than other animals. Last time they met the pack, they went after them for 50 kilometer until they reached their destination near water. They used their firearms on them, but nothing helped. Two of my friends decided to go after the others and warn them about the pack. Me and the friend that stayed, left almost everything in the camp and basically went back home. My two friends also took a bare minimum and ran. It was midnight and still, no sign of my friends, not even a signal. The friend that was with me couldn't handle the pressure, and equipped himself with grenades and army clothes and went to the camp in case if any of them came back. Later that night I saw his signaling fire at the camp. I tried to stay occupied and started to clean up when I hear howling very close. I looked at the window that faces the forest and nothing. Then after the second howling, I realized they're near the house. Somehow they managed to jump the fence, and they actually circled the house. They were walking in the circle. Someone called, and I have to say, I was never so scared and happy in my entire life. Scared because I jumped when it rang. One of my friends were practically screaming in the phone to go in the basement and release the puppy. To say that I'm shocked is to say nothing. I couldn't understand a lot of things he said because the signal was bad, also because he was screaming. They knew the pack is at the house and they were coming, but for some reason, I had to go in the basement to get some puppy. Honestly, I think, subconsciously, I knew what was going on, but at the time I was too scared to think. I found a baby wolf in the basement. My genius friends thought it's a good idea to bring in their house, the baby of the wolf pack that killed people. I was never more angry at them than that time and they have done stupid things before. The problem was that if I opened the door at the basement to release the puppy, the wolves could get me. So I decided to take it to the second floor and put in a basket or something and gently put it on the ground with a rope. I found everything I needed when I heard scratches on the door. The wolf mama wanted to get in and honestly, if she knew how old the house is, she would just probably put her weight on the door and then she would easily come inside. I went to the balcony and slowly started to get the basket down. The wolves were there, looking at me and all my moves. The she-wolf was easy to spot, she ran towards the puppy. I have to stay the reunion was touching, but the wolves were only happy for five seconds. One of them even tried to jump at me. I was hypnotized. I watched them take the puppy and going where they came from. The she-wolf took the puppy in the teeth and jumped the fence. The rest of them jumped too, except one. He must have been the oldest, he had very smart eyes. He looked at me for a long time before he jumped too. I was scared and fascinated and a couple of times when he went into the forest, he would look back and honestly, it was the greatest thing ever. My friends came back a couple of hours after that, worried about me, but I told everything, and they were also shocked to hear about the behavior of these wolves, except one the brother of the thief who took the puppy. He punched him right in the jaw and broke it. 
They didn't speak a couple of years after that. In the forest, they barely survived the pack. The only thing that saved them was the smelly bond the brother had, not before he was bitten a couple of times. Other friends were attacked too until the two friends that were with me came to their rescue with fire. I know the story is incredible and many will say it's fake, but Godamit, it's the best story of my life, and I don't care if people believe me. No one can take that from me. Also, I think since I don't know the whole story in many details, the story seems unreal. But I bet if one of my friends would tell it would seem more real. Back when I was a high school senior, my buddy and I had a burning desire to ride our dirt bikes in solitude, far away from any disturbances. We ventured up an isolated logging road, deep into an area of second-growth dug fir. After setting up camp in a clearing, our plan was to spend a couple of days immersed in this rugged wilderness. During the day, we tore up and down the local trails on our dirt bikes, relishing in the adrenaline-fueled joy of the ride. As dusk approached, signaling the end of our thrilling escapades, we made our way back to camp. However, our path was unexpectedly obstructed by a massive log deliberately placed across the trail. We knew for certain that this log hadn't been there earlier in the afternoon when we had zoomed past multiple times. Its deliberate positioning gave us an unsettling feeling. Considering the log size, we didn't dare attempt to move it from the trail. Instead, we managed, with great effort, to maneuver our dirt bikes around the barrier. Unease and vulnerability crept into our consciousness, casting doubt on whether we should stay the night at the campsite. But fueled by Budweiser and bolstered by the fact that one of us had brought along his dad's 357 caliber, we made the decision to tough it out. Sleep evaded us throughout the night, so we built a substantial fire to ward off the darkness and its lurking uncertainties. However, around midnight, our feeble sense of security shattered. A massive rock came hurtling into our camp, followed by the cacophony of something colossal crashing through the undergrowth. The air was rent with otherworldly screams and growls, further unsettling our already frayed nerves. Another rock descended upon us, jolting us into immediate action. With hearts pounding, we sprinted towards our pickup truck and tore down the logging road heading for the safety of Alsi. In our haste, we left behind much of our camping gear, but we had the presence of mind to load our dirt bikes onto the truck earlier. The next day, in broad daylight, we returned to retrieve our abandoned belongings. Fear still lingered, preventing us from thoroughly investigating tracks or seeking other evidence. We hastily gathered what we could and made a swift departure from that eerie place. I live in Australia and I used to date this girl who lived in one of our national parks, a solid two-hour drive from anything. Anyway, one night it gets to like 2 a.m. and I've got to go home for some reason I can't remember. I'm driving along this pitch black road, no street lights, thick bush either side of the narrow road, a mess. I'm in a Land Rover Defender for the uninformed, a fairly boxy car with a flat back and a flat front, no curves. Anyway, I'm wigging myself out. It's a long drive and I'm prone to thinking of scary things. After about 30 minutes of driving, I look in my rearview mirror and see a silhouette of a person sitting in the back seat of the car. 
I am frozen with fear, literally can't take my eyes off them, can't stop driving, can't move. About 30 seconds later and nothing happens, I move my arm up to move the mirror a little to see if I'm seeing things, and as I raise my arm the person in the back waves at me. I freak out, what the F? A car appears from in front of me driving the other way and I'm thinking yes, I'll flag this guy down and get rid of the offender or some shit. But when I look in the mirror again, the person is gone. The car flies past me, I look back and the person is back again. I turn my head slowly, watching the mirror in my periphery and the person slowly turns its head too. Got him that I'm scared. Finally, I slowly grab my jumper in the front seat to throw at the intruder, and in one big motion I huck it backwards at the person so I could reef on the brakes and get out. Terrible plan, but I'm scared as. Anyway, I realize that the mother F in the back is my reflection off the back window of the car. The boxy shape meant my reflection looked perfectly like someone sitting in the back seat. Might be too late to respond, but one of my friends lives in an apartment complex next to a main road and some stores behind a gas station. It's an old complex and not in the middle of the woods or anything, but there are some back alleys and some trees nearby. Anyway, one night we were up playing Hearthstone or something, and we started hearing this really, really freaky noise. My friend keeps his windows open on the second floor to help with cooling the apartment. We both just kind of sit there stunned, before I finally ask in a very low voice, What the F is that? It was like a cry, but like no animal ID ever heard. Imagine like the freakiest zombie cry in a movie, and it sounded just like that but loud and right outside. It persisted for about 20 minutes and we just kind of stopped making noise and didn't do anything that would draw attention to us. Still have no idea what the hell it was. Mentioned it to my friend again just recently.